Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Spa Strong Podcast. I'm Royal. I'm Melissa. And today, this is episode six, and we will be talking about safety. Safety. Oh, boy. And why <laughs> safety is important, why you need it for your aesthetics business, if you're an employee, if you're an owner, and in everyday life. Yeah. And how if you have safety in the spa industry, how it will lead over into everyday life, which is what you need, or vice versa. Yep. You just need safety. Safety is a big deal. Yes. So absolutely. Yeah, Melissa, you want to start it off? Yeah. So as you all know, the mission of Spa Strong is to empower estheticians through boundaries, balance, health, and safety. And safety is kind of broad. So when we when we use that term, we're referring to safety in your business. So keeping your business itself safe, like having liability insurance, using proper documentation, using proper sanitation and things like that so that you can protect your actual business, which we'll talk about more. And then also safety in the sense of keeping your clients safe. So all of those things kind of, like I was saying, the documentation and proper sanitation practices, that all rolls into keeping your clients safe as well. And then keeping yourself personally safe within your aesthetics business, but also, like Royal was saying, in your day-to-day life. So let's dive in and talk about keeping your business safe. So as estheticians, we go to aesthetic school and we pay anywhere from five to $20,000 to be able to go to school. Then we spend hundreds of hours studying and pass our state boards. And then once we've passed, we become estheticians, we have our licenses. But in order to get to the point of even being able to do treatments on clients, we've put in a ton of effort. So thousands of dollars, hundreds of hours, lots of lots of time studying, not going on vacation, you know, whatever it is. We probably went to aesthetic school for a reason, right? Like we wanted to have a career that we could rely on for the rest of our working lives, or we have mouths to feed, not just our own. We have kids, we've got families. Um, there, there are tons of different reasons why. I mean, maybe it's just, oh, this is my passion and this is something that I love and I want to do this. Okay. That's a huge reason as well. But regardless of your initial intent to becoming an esthetician, you are relying on this. You are planning on being a skincare provider for a long time, right? So you need to take steps to ensure that that is the case, that you can keep your business safe, that you can continue working as a licensed esthetician for as long as you want. So what are things that you can do to keep your business safe? Well, I think keeping proper documentation like client intake forms mm-hmm. would really help you with your just your safety in your studio. Yes, absolutely. It blew my mind how many clients I would have come into me, and I'd have them fill out paperwork in their initial consultation, and they'd say, "Oh, I've never had to fill out paperwork before, and I've been getting my lashes done for years." That's scary. That is because scary. that's a liability on you, on them, and if they never filled out nothing. Then they can't even defend themselves. Like mm-hmm. if the if the esthetician messes herself up, mm-hmm. her, her yeah messes her up. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. Because the client can't say, well, I documented that I am allergic to hydroquinone. Okay, well, no, you didn't because the esthetician didn't even give you forms to fill out. You know, if it's not in writing, if it's not in paper. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist, yeah. Or I guess not paper anymore in the digital age. If it's not on your iPad. But yeah, so a big reason why you want to have clients fill out client intake forms, which if you don't have any, then head to the Spa Strong website. We'll link it in the description of this episode so that you can get any of the client packet forms, the intake forms that you need. But you have them fill out those forms so that you can be aware of any reason why you shouldn't be treating that client. We need to get out of the mindset of qualifying every client who walks through the door and start thinking like, we need to look for reasons to disqualify them. Meaning you can't just assume that any person who walks through your door is probably a perfectly good candidate for any treatment that you have to offer. There may be big reasons why they shouldn't be getting that treatment. And as a responsible licensed esthetician, you need to go out of your way to find the reasons why they shouldn't be treated with that particular service. They may have allergies. They may be on medications that contraindicate the ingredient or the treatment itself. They may have lifestyle practices that would contraindicate them. Um, They may be unwilling to follow through with the commitment of the pre and post care. So you need to have them fill out these forms so that you can look at it and be like, okay, this these are their current skin conditions. These are their current skin goals. These are the products they're currently using. Um, this is their ethnicity. You might look at a client and think, oh, they are definitely a Fitzpatrick too. But then after going over their forms, you find out that they're actually a Fitz four because they're 50% black or something like that. But they're just really light skin and you didn't know. So you have to have your clients fill out forms. Even if you're like, oh, I'm just doing facial waxing. There's really nothing I need to know about. No, there's a lot you need to know. You need to know if they are taking any active ingredients. You need to know about their sun exposure. Like there's so much that goes into being an esthetician. We are responsible for our clients' health and safety. We're working on their skin. That is a really big deal. The skin is the largest organ of the body, right? So if something goes wrong with their skin, then something's going wrong with their bodies and their health. Take the time to have your clients fill out client intake forms. You've got to do some investigating. You've got to see if there are any reasons why you shouldn't be treating these clients. And of course, I'm not saying like you need to go back to the total amount of minutes they've spent in the sun over the last seven years. I mean, we're going to be thorough, but we're not going to be that crazy obsessive thorough, right? But you need to give the clients an opportunity to document their meds, document their current skincare routine, document any diseases or illnesses that they have or have had so that you can not only protect them, and be aware if they're asking for a treatment that actually isn't a proper fit for them, but you can also protect your business because the fact of the matter is if something goes wrong, they end up with an adverse reaction and it turns out that it could have been prevented, 
then they may sue you. And in fact, they may, if you, they end up with an adverse reaction, a client may sue you even if there was nothing that could have been done to prevent it, even if they're the ones who lied on their intake form or um, withheld information from you. They may still try to sue you over a burn or some kind of adverse reaction. So what you need to do is be able to prove that you have done everything in your power to document to the best of your ability. I highly recommend not just having clients fill out paperwork at the beginning, like at their initial consultation. I think it's important to use what I call the treatment survey, where every time they come into their next appointment, so initial consultation, they fill out all your regular intake forms, health and skin history form, um, spa policies form, the consent form, pre and post care instructions, blah, blah, blah. But then at every subsequent treatment, at the very beginning, you have them fill out the treatment survey, which asks for any changes in their contact information, but also their medical history, their um, medications that they're on, sun exposure, any changes to their skincare routine, whether or not they've had adverse reactions, um, how their results are going so far, how they would rate their results. This is all important information to ask for at the beginning of each treatment so that you can not only be on top of their results and their progress, but also you'll be made aware immediately if there are any new contraindications that have snuck up on you. So that is another form that is available on the SpaStrong website. I highly, highly, highly recommend purchasing that form. It is so important. I learned about it when I was working at the medical spa, my first job out of esthetician school. And I think that it's absolutely brilliant because not only does it give you a chance to find new contraindications, but it also holds you accountable as a treatment provider so that if they rate that they didn't have as great of an experience their last treatment as they normally did, or their results weren't as good as they normally are, then you have to ask, hey, what what happened here? You know, was there anything that you can pinpoint exactly that maybe made your experience not as great as you normally have? Or can you describe the results and why they weren't as effective or why you think this treatment wasn't as effective? Because if there's something that you did as a treatment provider, then you you want to know about that, right? Like I remember, for example, um, I had a client who came in and it was, I was so new in aesthetics and I was working at the medical spa doing laser treatments. And it was one of my first Brazilian treatments. And when I was doing it on this particular client, I remember thinking, okay, I can tell that she has hair growth like further into her labia, but is that going to be uncomfortable for her if I get the tongue depressor and like move her skin and get closer by her clitoris even like is that something I should do should I not and I I was thinking all this in my head and rather than just asking the client I opted to not say anything I was like well I don't want to embarrass her I'm just not going to say anything and so I just covered the top area um and nothing that I needed to go get in there oh. to get you know what I'm saying yeah, no. So at her next appointment, she was scheduled with my supervisor and she filled out the treatment survey. And apparently in the notes, she rated that she didn't have as great results 
as she normally did. So my supervisor was able to ask her and this client explained that I didn't get in there enough is what she said. So after my supervisor finished that treatment, she came and pulled me aside and she was like, hey, I just want to let you know this is what this client said. So make sure that when you do these treatments, it's okay to just like get in and move any lips or anything around and get in there and find all the hair. The clients are coming to you to get rid of all the hair. And that was so great for me because it was like an, oh, okay, thank you kind of moment because I knew that because that client had to provide feedback, I was able to become a better esthetician because of it. So I know that that's kind of a benign example, like there were no adverse reactions or anything like that, but had there been, I would have been made aware of it because the client was held accountable to talk about her experience and talk about how she thought it went. And then I was in turn able to be held accountable for my actions and the way I did the treatment. And I became a better laser tech because of it. So definitely utilize that treatment, the treatment survey, so that you are able to stay in touch with your clients every time they come in, find out how things are going and find out if they're on any new medications, if they have any new illnesses, if they have had any recent sun exposure, changed their skincare routine, developed new allergies, any of those things, okay? So another thing that you can do to help keep your business safe is have liability insurance. That is very important. Yes. Very important. You will lose everything. Yeah. Everything. Absolutely. And everyone you've loved. <laughs> if you don't have that liability insurance. Yeah. Hopefully not that extreme, but you never know. <laughs> People are like, oh, you lost your business? Forget you. <laughs> no, so liability insurance you need to have because, I mean, like I said earlier, there may be an adverse reaction or something that goes wrong that is out of your control. Maybe a client lied about it um, or about a you know contraindication that she has in her life, or maybe she completely forgot about something that made her contraindicated, or you forgot to ask a question. I mean, there are so many, so many different things that could have happened that might cause an adverse reaction to occur. So regardless of those reasons, if it does happen, there may be clients that, you know, they come to you and they're like, hey, this happened. I know I signed the consent form and on the consent form, it lists all the possible risks and blah, 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 blah. I do want you to know that this occurred, but I've gone to my personal doctor. I'm getting it taken care of and everything should be fine. There are clients like that who are just, they just make you aware of it. They recognize that they signed their consent form that whatever it was that occurred wasn't something that they hadn't been made aware of initially as a possibility. But there are also clients who don't go that route. And if something goes wrong, then they either threaten to sue or do, in fact, end up suing the esthetician. Now, lawsuits are incredibly expensive, not just because of how much it can cost to like settle or if you lose how much it costs for you to have to pay the fee, but also attorney fees are stupid. And sometimes when you, even when you're fighting a case and you win, it feels like you lost because mm -hmm. how much you have to pay your attorney. It's like, well, I'm not even breaking even. Exactly. So you want to have 
not just liability insurance. Um, liability insurance is like if somebody walks into your spa facility and they trip on the doorstep and they fall down and crack their chin open or something like that. Or if, um, you know, some of the equipment fails. Like I remember one time when I was actually at that same medical spa, a client was laying on the table and the table broke while she was on it and she toppled over Whoa. backwards. Yeah, she ended up being totally, totally fine. Uh, but that kind of a thing is what liability insurance would cover. And then there is professional. So that's general liability insurance. Then there's professional liability insurance, which basically covers you when you're doing an actual treatment, when you're working under the scope of your aesthetics license. So doing skincare services on your clients, that's when you would need professional liability insurance. Now, a lot of people may think that if they're employed at a spa, that they don't need their own insurance because the spa itself has insurance and they should be covered under it. You need to double check with your employer on this because some spas will have their liability insurance that only covers the spa itself, like just the business entity itself and not the individual treatment providers who work there. So say, for example, you are doing a treatment at this spa, the client ends up having an adverse reaction, the client sues the spa, but also sues you personally. Okay, well, the spa's liability, professional liability insurance, like I said, may only cover the business itself and not cover the individual esthetician. So if you do not have your own personal liability insurance, then you have to pay for all of that yourself. Your professional liability insurance should help cover lawsuits. So lawyer's fees, um, any kind of settlement, all of that kind of stuff. It's very, very important for you to have it. I had a million dollars in my policy and it really wasn't that expensive. I think it ended up being like $30 a month. And I went through State Farm, but there are actual like beauty professional insurance companies out there that are really, really great because they're more specific to the actual industry. They understand the way the industry works and everything like that. So definitely do your research and find the professional liability insurance that makes the most sense to you and fits in your budget and that makes you feel like you and your aesthetics practice are being protected. Now, when I was doing research to look more into professional liability insurance for estheticians, I found a couple of articles that I'll link in the show notes. And um, one of them was pretty basic. I had some good information. It's from insurebodywork.com. And then there was this other article from BizInsure. And it also had some good information, but it kind of annoyed me because it was using a lot of fear tactics because they clearly sell business insurance and they were using all of these like really intense fear tactics. Like Like, what ifs? Yeah, exactly. But also there may be nothing in your power to be able to prevent adverse reaction from happening and you could do everything right and all these terrible things are still going to happen to you and you're going to get sued and lose everything. So you need to call us today, you know, like that kind of thing, which I mean, don't get me wrong, technically is kind of true, but it was just so like they were trying to intimidate you. Yes, exactly. 
And then another thing that I didn't like about it was that it kept talking about how an adverse reaction could happen because maybe, you know, maybe that you as a treatment provider, your mind is distracted with other things. And so you weren't paying attention or you lost track of time for how long a chemical was on the skin. Or maybe you gave your professional recommendation that you shouldn't continue with the treatment, but the client insisted. And so you did it because the client said so. Okay. You shouldn't do things because the client says so. First of all, you are the one who has the license You're the expert. You are the expert. Exactly. And if a client gets mad and says, well, I'm going to leave you a bad review. Then they can do it them damn selves. (laughs) Yeah. Take their ass back to the house and they can do it themselves. Let them go on Amazon and buy themselves a 25% TCA peel. And let let their eyeballs fall out. (laughs) Let them fall out. (laughs) No, but the thing is, is like, we get so nervous with somebody getting upset. Like, oh, they're mad at me. So I don't want a bad review. So maybe I should just go ahead and do the treatment to keep this client happy and satisfied. Um, No, because then when shit hits the fan and the client ends up with a bad adverse reaction, you think that this type of client is the kind of client who's going to be understanding and say, hey, I just want to let you know that I just left the doctor. X, Y, and Z happened. I know that you made me aware that this is a possibility. I know that you gave me your professional recommendation that we shouldn't follow through with the treatment and I pressured you to do it. So I totally understand that this is my fault. I'm just letting you know what happened. No, that is not what kind of client this is. If there's a client that is trying to pressure you into giving them a treatment that is too aggressive or not right for their Fitzpatrick or whatever it is, then they're the kind of client who is going to turn around and either threaten to or actually follow through with suing you if things go wrong. Yeah, and you got to think like just people in general. A person could fender bender and hit you. Mm-hmm. And it's just y'all two on the street, nobody here. Mm-hmm. And they run in to bump you. As soon as you get out the car and talk to them, they're going to be like, oh, you shouldn't stop so slow. Mm-hmm. Or like nobody wants to admit nothing. Right. Like... Right. So, yeah, let alone something as drastic as a reaction happening and having to go to the hospital, mm-hmm. they're not going to admit that, man. They Very rare. Very rare. Very, very rare, man. Very rare. Hopefully, you've built up a clientele of wonderful, quality clients who recognize you as a professional, who respect your policies, who can admit when they're the ones who did something wrong, but... Even wonderful people have a tendency to act out in emotional or high emotion situations where, okay, you have some kind of an injury. Well, you're not always going to act totally rational in those in those moments, right? So the point is that you should not let any client bully you into doing anything that you know in your heart and in your mind and in your professional experience, they shouldn't have like you shouldn't do this treatment on them so you need to be willing to tell that client no let them walk out your door let them leave that bad review you can comment on it and explain yourself you know I mean in a professional way and that's a topic that I'm sure we'll cover in another podcast but please 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 do not let clients tell you how to do your job you are the one with the training you are the one who understands why there are rules, why there are contraindications, what could potentially happen to that client. 
I would hope that you would try to explain yourself in a very professional way, try to turn a negative into a positive. Hey, I know that you had your heart set on doing this type of a treatment because of the sun exposure you've been having lately. It's not going to be safe for you. These are the reasons why. Therefore, instead, I would love to offer you this treatment because that's going to be safe for you. It's also going to help your skin in this way and everybody is going to be better off. Let's get started. You know, I mean, there are things that you can do to set yourself as the authority, but still keep a positive relationship. When I was at the medical spa, um, we would have, we were based in Houston and there would be clients coming in from Geneva, Switzerland or from Saudi Arabia. And they would book their laser treatments around their trips to Houston, to the U.S., And so it was like this little teeny window where they could come in and get their treatment done. And when you're flying, you know, halfway around the world to be able to come and get laser hair removal, it was really, really upsetting for them when I would have to let them know, hey, you're on this antibiotic right now. And unfortunately, that makes you photosensitive and I cannot follow through with this treatment. We would have people throw full on grown adult tantrums. But... I don't care. I learned that you can try any intimidation factor in the entire world, but I'm not losing my business. I'm not losing my license over you. Sorry, not happening. If you want to get mad and leave, that's fine. You can get glad in the same pants you got mad in, and I'm not going to be the one. I would rather be the one who you yelled at and stormed out and didn't you didn't ever come back to than the one who you yelled at, bullied, caved and then you ended up with scars all over your skin you know what i'm saying absolutely oh my gosh so do not let clients who try to intimidate you or bully you change your change your standards yeah and don't get blindsided by the money yeah but like i'll give you a big tip forget all that oh yeah that's true too that bribes that tip ain't gonna change your life no like yeah man no but the fee you have to pay if things go wrong, that'll change your life and uh, not in a good way. It's just like, you know, speaking on the bribe. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us, Officer Ellis. Yeah, no, because I've gotten bribed before. And so, like, yeah, man, it's just, I don't care how much a person would offer me. It's just not worth me losing everything over. No. You know? Absolutely not. Absolutely so, not. So, like, yeah, just don't get blinded by money, man. No, don't get blinded by money. Don't get blinded by a bad review. Or I'm going to tell your boss. No, your boss will be on your side or they should be on your side. And if they're not on your side, then you need to leave. Yeah, find a different job. (laughs) But seriously, um, protect your business by being the authority in the room. And you're the one who calls the shots on whether or not you should have a treatment done or whether or not a client should have a particular treatment done. Have your liability insurance just in case, because even if you do everything right and the client is the one who's in the wrong, just like Royal was saying in the Fender Better example, people do not want to admit when they're wrong. So have your liability insurance just in case. Make sure you have your clients fill out paperwork, have a proper consultation, document everything you do in every single treatment. You've got to have thorough notes so that just in case the chart does get subpoenaed or something like that. Anybody can look at it and realize that 
you were the one who was on your A game, you took thorough notes, you had exact times that the peel was on the skin, you had exact percentages, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So protect your business. Always, always protect your business. And have spot policies. Protect your time. Protect your income. And if you don't have spot policies, we have them for you. We have spot policies <laughs> for you. <laughs> We're working on some new certification courses and um, spot strong certs. And one of them is a spa policies essentials course. So get ready. It's going to be awesome. Yes. But, um, okay, now keeping your clients safe. So, of course, all the things that we just talked about, it's very, those are all very important for keeping your business safe, but they also help protect your client. Now, you want to keep your clients safe so that they keep coming back to you, they have a great experience with you, they tell their family and friends about you. You should care about your clients. You should genuinely care about protecting them. So, of course, paperwork, proper consultation, um, treatment survey before following through with a new treatment, all those kinds of things. But also, don't cut corners in your treatments. A lot of people will kind of think, oh, I have a lot of great experience. I've been in this industry for a long time. When you know the rules, you can break the rules. Um, maybe if you're like writing a novel and you decide that you're going to start a sentence with and, I know the rules, so I'm going to break the rules. <laughs> Not when you're dealing with somebody's body. I'm sorry. Don't break rules. Don't cut corners. Follow through with all of the steps in your procedures, in your treatments, whatever it is that you're doing, please make sure that you follow your protocols. Always have great sanitation practices. Don't, you know, let your ingredients and your products expire. Don't decide that you had a really long day and you're tired. And so you're just not going to soak your implants for 10 minutes like you know you should. I mean, don't do stupid shit like that. Please Always do all of your sanitation practices. Always do everything you can to keep your client safe because you are in turn keeping yourself and your business safe. Any comments on that? No, I think you said it beautifully, darling. Thank you. All right, let's talk about personal safety, keeping yourself physically safe. Let's this do is, it. This is big. This is a big deal. This is big. Don't mess this up. You call one shot. I have more than one shot. We're going to talk about this a lot, I'm sure. But in the remainder of this episode, let's talk about personal safety. And I would like to start by reading to you some statistics. Let's get to them. I'm a big statistic person. So this is the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. And of course, I'll link this in the show notes. In the show notes? In the description. You said show notes twice now. Okay, in the description. That's cute. Oh. In our show notes. In, in our episode notes. In our episode notes. All right, whatever. I'll link it. Y'all will find it. Okay. <clears throat> this is sexual assault in the United States. One in five women and one in 71 men will be raped at some point in their lives. In the U.S., one in three women and one in six men experienced some form of, of contact sexual violence in their lifetime. 51.1% of female victims of rape reported being raped by an intimate partner and 40.8% by an acquaintance. 52.4% of male victims report being raped by an acquaintance and 15.1% by a stranger. 
Almost half, 49.5% of multiracial women and over 45% of American Indian slash Alaska Native women were subjected to some form of contact sexual violence in their lifetime. 91% of victims of rape and sexual assault are female and 9% are male. In 8 out of 10 cases of rape, the victim knew the perpetrator. 8% of rapes occur while the victim is at work. So... Those are some pretty intense numbers, yes. if you ask me. And wait, you said at work? Yeah, eight percent happens at work of rapes occur while the victim is at work. Wow. I think that in aesthetics, we kind of have this idea that because it is a female-dominated industry, that we don't need to worry about sexual assault. We don't need to worry about sexual harassment. We don't need to worry about personal safety or anything like that. But there are so many reasons why you do need to worry about this. You work with people and people of the same gender, people of the opposite gender, people of the same race, people of different races. They all have ideas and motives and intentions that may be good, may not be. Either way, you cannot control them. You have clients that come in that you don't know. You have vendors or service people who come in that you don't know. Maybe the power goes out. Maybe you have a janitor, janitorial staff that comes in to, or service that comes in to clean. You, even though you're on average, maybe working with other women for the most part, or dealing with other women for the most part, you still come in contact with lots and lots of people that you don't know, that you have no idea what kind of opportunities they are looking for. And when I say opportunities, I don't mean like promotions. Absolutely. I mean bad opportunities. Yes. And just don't forget that women do it too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like when they say like it's a woman-dominated industry, mm-hmm. that that shouldn't take any – that should not take – how do I want to say it? That should not take any like relief off. Mm-mm. Women can be just as bad Mm -hmm. and just as dirty Mm -hmm. and just as mean, just as cruel, just as crazy. Mm -hmm. And um, so you always have to watch yourself. Always have to be careful. Um, You should always practice jujitsu. You should always (laughs) practice boxing and judo and all this. All um, of them. All of them. (laughs) Pick one. (laughs) Or all three. Whatever. All three. (laughs) And and just protect yourself and just, just, man, just never get too comfortable. Right. Absolutely. That's a big thing too, is just not getting too comfortable. We're not saying that you need to assume that something bad is going to happen to you. We don't want you to live your life in fear. We don't want you to be afraid to turn a corner or talk to a new client or come in you know, early in the morning when it's still dark outside. That's not what we're saying. We are saying that bad things happen. They just do. And that's the world that we live in, unfortunately. So we want you to make yourself aware so that you can be prepared. Have you heard the saying, you can't draw water from an empty well? That is one of my favorite sayings. Because essentially, if you don't have any kind of education or tools or resources at your disposal, when you need them, that well is going to be empty. There's not going to be anything. But if you know something... That's better than nothing, right? 
And you might think like, okay, if I'm in a scary situation, my adrenaline's going to kick in and then I'm going to have superpower strength or I'm going to all of a sudden be able to fight like they do in movies or whatever. No, you're probably more likely to fall back on the training that you've received. And if you've received no training, then... You're shit out of luck. Unfortunately, that is what happens a lot of the time. Yeah. So, Royal and I are big proponents. We we uh, recommend Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know yeah, that word threw me off guard. Okay, I think proponents is the right word. I don't know. We recommend that you take Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Now, there are self-defense classes out there that <clears throat> I think are okay. Um, some of them are a little bit unrealistic, like... Just, no strike, and I'm going to kick him in the balls. Yeah, that's just trash, bro. <laughs> it's just trash. Okay. Well, because think about I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You want to go? Or me? You, you continue. Okay. So, okay. yeah, I recommend personally, if you don't do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you should do judo mm-hmm. or boxing. Mm-hmm. But, listen, not no BS boxing for cardio. One, two. One, two as a class. Now, if you gonna get if you gonna do it, do it all the way. Don't half ass. Mm-hmm. Go in there, get a coach, put your mouthpiece in, and get busy. Mm-hmm. Like usually, the best gyms are the like boxing gyms are the best, or Muay Thai are the best ones. The best ones are usually like run down. The mm-hmm. water don't work in there. No <laughs> AC because people are in there getting after it. Yeah. They ain't in they ain't in there taking selfies with their makeup, all that BS. If you do that, I'm sorry. But you're not working out hard enough if you could take a selfie, mm-hmm. okay, with with makeup on, <laughs> okay, specifically with makeup on, um, and like, yeah, man. So I think Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, Judo, or boxing, and like all this, yeah, all these other self defense classes. If you do it, good for you, and it empowers you, then it works for you, then cool. But it's just not realistic. But there are some that are. Yeah, but but there's a. I'm gonna say. 90% art. So let's talk about one that is. Okay. I would highly recommend the Gracie University yeah. Women Empowerment. Yeah, that's the Women Empowerment Self-Defense. Yes. Yeah, but that's that's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I though. know, but but it's not... It's not just that. It gives you tactics. it's focused as Women Empowerment Self-Defense because throughout the training, you go through um, scenarios, essentially. Like, in this scenario, this is how you could respond to it. So they give you moves and tools that you practice, but then they also give you context. Like, this is how you could utilize it. So that, God forbid, if anybody does try to pick you up and throw you into a van, then you understand, oh, I I know that in that situation, I need to leverage myself in this way so that they have a harder time pulling me. I need to make a big scene, call for help, you know, blah, 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 all of that. What? Yeah. No, I oh. mean, I agree, but... But I, it is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, essentially. Gracie, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, yeah. And I don't... Hold on. What? Not Gracie, not just Gracie. There's, there's, like, a bunch of Gracie Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Well, I know, so but I... gotta I, get specific. That's true, that's true. You gotta get specific. Go ahead, Mr. No, expert. No, I'm not No, 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 I, I'm you, being serious. Go ahead, Mr. Expert. No, no. <laughs> I'm done. I'm leaving this podcast. I'm out. Stop. No, I was being serious. No, go ahead. Go ahead, man. It's all good. <laughs> um, but what I was going to say initially when we were talking about kicking people in the balls, uh, <laughs> the likelihood of you making that kick 
or that hit and causing the correct amount of you damage. know damage so that it incapacitates the individual is actually slimmer than you might think it is in those kinds of high stakes situations. If you try and miss, then you're at greater risk of being hurt because then you're just making the perpetrator angry because he recognizes what it is that you're trying to do. And therefore he may decide to punch you in the face when that wasn't initially part of his plan or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. And then that's not what you were taught in class. You were instructed on what to do if you get hit in the mouth. Mm -hmm. like one of the sayings Michael, Mike Tyson had mm -hmm. was like, everybody has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. Mm -hmm. Like everybody say what they gonna do to me in the ring mm -hmm. until I hit them in the mouth. Yeah, and that's just and I took that. And that's just life, right? And literal. No, it's you so all true. got a plan. It's gonna revert when you feel that punch to your jaw. And if you haven't practiced this and done this and, and like took these these like jujitsu classes or whatever class you're taking, Muay Thai. Muay Thai perfected this and are used to getting hit. And that's a shock to you. And you feel that person. You never got, let's say you never got hit before. You feel that hit to mm -hmm. your mouth. Mm -hmm. And it clicks. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? Because you know? let's, let's be real. I mean, unfortunately, there are so many women who have experienced a punch to the face. Yeah. But there are so many of us who haven't, right? Mm -hmm. And so... You may think that you're tough shit until you actually get hit in the face and you see what that feels like or punched anywhere, right? So that is one reason why we recommend going and taking some of these classes. Like Muay Thai, I mean, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu isn't striking, but I mean, yeah. take boxing, whatever it is, so that you can know what that feels like. So that you can know that, hey, you got hit, but guess what? You're okay. You're okay. You can keep going. You can keep fighting. One hit is not going to take you down because until you've experienced that, you may not know that. You may get hit and then think, oh my gosh, now it's done. I'm hurt. I'm out. I'm, I'm down for the count. No, you need to go and show yourself that you keep fighting. You get up. You keep fighting. You're, you're not dead. You're never dead. You keep going. I read this book before I went into the academy, and I think I've talked about it before. It's called On Combat. It's by Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman. It's so good. Anyway, this book was written for military and law enforcement personnel who would face combat situations. But I think that it's also applicable for anyone who is in a combative situation. But he talks about how when he does trainings, like, for example, in the police academy, you do, what is that, paintball, where you get hit. Yeah. Okay? And he explained that he never wants instructors, like, if you're fighting and, or simulating a fight, a gunfight, and the recruit or the student gets, quote, hit, the instructor should never say, look, now you're dead. Because then that trains your mind to think, I get hit one time and I'm done. I'm down. I'm not fighting anymore. I'm out of the fight. No. You want to tell them, hey, you got hit, but keep going, keep going, keep going. That's why in the academy, um, they have a day where you do paintball, where the instructors will hit you with paintballs. It hurts, man. 
It was right before. It was right after I got injured, so it I just missed it. Hurt so bad, but that me going through that scenario, mm-hmm. I remember it was me and my partner for the day, and we had to like creep in this building, mm-hmm. and I never got shot with a paintball before, never done anything like this, mm-hmm. but I knew I was like, you know, like if they shoot me, I'm gonna bust back. I'm a gangster. You know what I'm saying, yes, you I'm are. I'm gonna take all of y'all out <laughs> with these with these six rounds, <laughs> and so I went in. And I like showed myself a little bit as far as like I show I, I show part of my body so I wasn't completely concealed going into the building and I got shot and that hurt me so bad and I jumped back and like I didn't drop my gun but I had my my baton in my hand to like open the door and I dropped my baton I'm like oh shit I just got shot and then like I stopped for a second. I was like, what am I doing? So I got out and we just went at it. Yep. And bullets just start flying. I got hit like six more times. Paintball bullets. Yeah, paintball bullets. I got hit like, I had welts going home. I got hit like six more times. But you know what? I hit I, I, I hit them three times. Way to go. Out of all that chaos, I got hit multiple times. But then that first time getting shot with a paintball, I knew it was going to hurt. And I only I could only imagine getting shot with a real bullet. Like, um, But like, yeah, it hurt. And it made me freeze for a second. I'm like, yo, the f- mm-hmm. I know. I ain't a punk. I'm an Alice, dog. We in there. We in there. Let's get it. Let's, we all going out together. <laughs> but yeah, so like, but that's just like, let you realize that something as little as that, like just a shocker to your system. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine. I mean, I firmly believe that if I was to get shot and I was able to keep going, like if I wasn't out, I, I'd still be fighting. Mm-hmm. And there's, a, yeah, you, they'd have to just take me out. Mm-hmm. Whatever suspect, whatever. Or if I get stabbed and I'm fighting, I would just go until I go out. But, 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 like, it's just, um, go ahead, babe. I was going to say, but part of why you know that is because of the experience of the training you've had. Yeah. Where you have been, you know, shot by a paintball. You've yeah. been punched in the face. You've had things happen where yeah. you know that you didn't quit. You know from experience in a low-stakes situation. Mm-hmm. Babe, you know, some of the stuff we can't talk about because I still, I'm still dealing with court cases. Oh my gosh, stop like, it. I got in a few fights in my past. I'm still dealing with oh that. Oh my gosh, would you stop it? <laughs> I got in a few. Okay, talk about that. Next, I'm just playing. Go ahead. If, repeat that. You're just playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just playing, people. But he was able to learn in a low-stakes situation that it wasn't the end of the world, that he can keep going. And that's what you want. You want to be able to teach yourself in a learning environment, hey, I'm hurt. But I keep fighting. I keep going no matter what. you got to keep going no matter what. So getting punched in the face. All right. We've, we've gone on a long yeah. tangent about that. But the point is that we highly encourage you to take some kind of self-defense training. There was a study done at the University of Oregon. And it took 117 college students who received a self-defense course, a 30-hour on-campus self-defense course, and compared them to a control group of 169 students who did not. Of those, 75 from the first group and 108 from the second agreed to take part in a follow-up survey over um, in a follow-up survey or interview. So it followed them over the course of like three years after taking or not taking the course, and it's pretty amazing the um, difference in statistics. So I'll link this in the description. Thank you. (laughs) Show notes in the description. Um, But it says overall 12% 
of the women in the self-defense group reported some form of sexual intrusion during the follow-up period versus 30% in the control group. This latter figure, nearly one in three, is consistent with the rate of sexual victimization of female college students. Um, It also says a significantly lower percentage of those who received self-defense training reported incidents of any kind. None of the women who took the training reported a rape versus 3% from the other group. Um, And actually, I am corrected. It was over, they served them over a course of one year after the training, not three years. But I find this study really interesting because obviously, I mean, we could argue that it was circumstantial that they just happened, the woman who took the self-defense class just happened to be in the right place at the right time. But I believe that it could be said that part of why they may have been in the right place at the right time is because of the training that they experienced. Now, I am not by any means saying that if you have been or are a victim of some kind of crime, that it is your fault because you didn't take training. That is not what I'm saying at all. You may have the best training in the entire world and you could still end up being a victim of some kind of violent crime, sexual crime, violent crime, whatever. What I am saying is that I personally would rather, would do everything I can to be prepared. I would rather have some kind of training to fall back on than a completely empty well. So please understand, again, that we are not saying that it's your fault if you get hurt because you didn't take initiative to sign up for a training beforehand. We're not saying that um, if you signed up for some kind of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu course and you still end up getting hurt by somebody that it's your fault because you just didn't sign up for a good enough course, that is not it at all. All that we are saying is that we believe based on studies like this one, that the more training and preparation you have, the better outcome you may end up having because you aren't trying to draw water from that empty well. You have some kind of tools to fall back on. You're, you have some kind of training for your adrenaline to fall back on. And you're, and you're just not caught off surprise. Exactly. Like caught off surprise like a deer in the headlights because you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You'd have something to go back on. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all we're saying. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I just recently finished reading a book that I overall I really really liked. It's called The Gift of Fear by Gavin De Becker, and he's basically a violent crime expert. Um, he's somebody that a lot of celebrities hired. I don't know if they still did. This book was written like in 1997 or 98, but um, at the time, maybe still today, celebrities would hire him to protect them from stalkers or from assassination threats and not just celebrities, like people in general. But he talks about how your intuition is so important because your intuition is what allows you to feel fear. And then when you feel fear that that should be a sign that something's wrong and that you need to act accordingly. So he, um, he lists so many different things in this book. Like he, there's a chapter that covers workplace violence, which I think is very, very important, you know, for anybody who has a job 
but here we are as estheticians. Um, he also covers stalking. He covers domestic violence. He talks about violence from children. He talks about assassination. He talks about, I mean, just so many different things that I think are very, very important for everyone to know, but specifically women. And he discusses different signs that you can look for. And he talks about how important it is to listen to your intuition. There's kind of this mindset that gut feelings aren't valid. Like, oh, if you can't explain why you're feeling that way right now, then it's not a good enough reason. Like you've got to be able to have logic behind everything. But as he makes clear in this book, your intuition is actually working off of your logic. It's just working so quickly that you can't quite put it into words. And how by following your intuition, you can oftentimes protect yourself from potentially violent situations or keep them from getting worse than they would have been. But I highly recommend everybody read this book. This is another thing that we'll link in the description down below. Um, there were a couple things in here that I didn't necessarily agree with. Uh, yeah, I know I did. But overall, I think that it was a really, really good book. And maybe we'll do an episode where I really, I, we really dive into it and talk cool. about what we did and didn't agree with. Awesome. Um, the last thing that I think that we should cover really quickly is self-defense tools, tactics, okay. both. <gasps> what to do. Okay. Let's talk about self-defense tools. I think a lot of people say, oh, you need to make sure that you're carrying pepper spray, mace, OC spray, whatever, or you need to be carrying a rape whistle or put your keys in between your fingers so that if somebody approaches you in the parking lot, you can stab them so perfectly with a wonderful jab straight into the eye, um, which Hey, that worked. But if you but if you've never practiced, yeah. if you've never been trained on how to punch somebody this perfectly straight in That's the true. eye, no, not the eye, or just, just in the face, a cue. Anyway, the point is, I don't know. I personally don't know that that is like the best self defense tool to rely on personally. But it's not. No, it's not. It's not. Know, yeah, it's not. People talk about how you should. You should get a gun. You should carry a knife. You should have a taser. You know, all of this kind of stuff. So everybody's going to have a different kind of opinion about these sort of things. So before we dive into this, I do want to read a quote really quickly by my girl, Eliza Schlesinger. She says, girls, there's got to be a middle ground where someone disagrees with you and you get the fuck over it. Okay. You don't have to hate her. Don't have to hold on to it. One woman's affirmation of her life choices is not the negation of your existence. Be better than that. Now, I read that because we're a pro-concealed handgun licensed family. Yes. Royal's a police officer. I grew up in Texas. I also went through the police academy. We both had hundreds of hours of firearms trainings. And that is something that we believe in and that works for us. Yeah. I adore them. It may not work for you. Okay, can you um can you expound on adore? I adore firearms. I adore the second amendment. Uh-huh. I adore having the like I don't know, I just I adore having a way to protect myself. Yeah. 
So it's not that you adore guns themselves, like the violence of them or whatever. No, when it's, I think when I first of all, when I think of a gun, I don't even think of the violence part of that aspect yeah. of it. Yeah. I genuinely like guns. Yeah. Like I love how they work. Mm-hmm. I love how they look like especially certain ones when they just come out i'm all over it mm-hmm. look at the shininess of it mm-hmm. oh it has a new safety on it with mm-hmm. the if you pull the hammer back it does this it does, i love all of yeah. i just love guns i think guns are a be, like a beautiful work of art yeah but i think idiots get their hands on them and do dumb shit yeah just like idiots drink and drive mm-hmm. like and then end up hurting somebody or killing people mm-hmm. so um, if you're not all, if you're not about guns, that's cool. Don't hate me for my opinion. I don't hate you from yours. Yeah, you know. But I like when I say I adore guns. Like, I just adore having the option to defend myself. Mm-hmm. I adore how they're made and the manufacturing and the certain rounds. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah, I just, I love my guns, and I'll say that loud. Yeah, you know. And I think that it's awesome that you you said I adore having the option of defending myself in the way that. I choose in the way that works for me, right? In the way that works for you. Now, in Texas, I had a legal concealed handgun license. I went through multiple courses. I took shooting tests. I went through a background check. And then I only carried within the bounds of the law. Like, I didn't take my gun into movie theaters. I didn't take it into government buildings, like all that kind of stuff. Um, here in California, I don't have a concealed handgun license. I plan on applying for one, um, especially because I'm not going to be a police officer anymore. But because I don't have it, I don't carry my gun at all. Right? Yeah, correct. Right. So when we say, I, I share that because we are only pro handgun when it is legal. When you should legally be carrying and also when you have gone through training. There are some states out there that are like, oh, take this online course. We don't ever have to see how you shoot. Virginia. Oh, stop. (laughs) Anyway, um, take this online course. Nobody's going to see how you shoot. But we're going to give you a license anyway. And um, I completely disagree with that. I believe that that... That kind of behavior is part of why we have some of the problems that we have with handguns. I think it's too easy to get them in a lot of states. And I believe that there needs to be background checks. There needs to be actual certified trainings in order to be able to carry a handgun. And there definitely need to be checks around purchasing a handgun. If that is not your cup of tea, that is okay. We're not here to tell you what you should or shouldn't think. Um, we understand that carrying a handgun is not right for everybody. Some people are like, hey, I think it is a great idea. However, I have a history of mental illness and therefore I'm not going to be the one to carry a gun. I think there are people who are like, hey, I think that's great for you. However, even if my life were on the line, like I don't know that I would be able to actually shoot somebody. I don't know if I'd be able to actually follow through and pull the trigger. Those are people who definitely shouldn't have a gun because if they pull it out and then they hesitate, that's the perfect opportunity for the other guy to take the gun from you and you guy, the other person to take the gun from you and use your own defense mechanism on you, right? So it's up to you, but we recommend that you do carry some kind of tool and that you have some kind of training or idea 
if anything, of how to use it. So if pepper spray is your jam, then carry the shit out of yo pepper spray, girl. Carry it, don't leave your house without it. If you wanna have a knife on you, have your knife on you. If you are interested in a stun gun, then carry a stun gun. Just make sure that you know how to use it. I think that sometimes people are like, oh, stun guns, like this is easy, just point and shoot or whatever, but they can be really complicated. So our point is do your research and make sure that you are educated on however it is that you choose to be prepared to protect yourself. May I add something? Yes. I think pepper spray is a great um, tool, mm-hmm. but I've, so in the police academy, you go through a series of things. You get sprayed with OC spray. OC spray is like pepper spray on steroids. Mm-hmm. We get sprayed with that because we're going to, we have that on our belt. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna have, we're, we have to see how it's going, what it's going to be like when we use it on somebody else, and we and we also get tasered. Yeah, we go through a gas, we go through a gas chamber. Sure do. Yeah, we get tasered, go through a gas chamber, all this stuff. My thing about pepper spray is you have to know that when you spray it, nine times out of ten, you're getting it on you. Yes, and you have to know that you can fight through it because that is the most painful thing. I've ever felt in my entire life. I know for a fact that if I couldn't carry pepper spray on me, like off duty or nothing, because I, I wouldn't use it. No, I'm not getting that on me. I know what it does, and it will break the biggest man down. It will mess you up. Mm-hmm. And even on duty, I chose like I have pepper spray, but I know for a fact like this, like according to the law and how like use of force policy goes, if I can use pepper spray, I can use my taser. Mm-hmm. More than likely, I'm able to use my taser, go hands-on. I know I'm not using my pepper spray. It's not happening because it's going to get on everybody. All the officers are going to get sprayed. Mm-hmm. I'm getting sprayed. It's going to be a big cluster fuck, and it's going to be a mess. Everybody going to be in pain. Mm-hmm. So I just know I'm not I'm not using my pepper spray. So I'm just saying it's a great tool. It will take somebody out, but you have to know that it's a good chance that you could get wind blow back mm-hmm. that is getting on you and can get in your eyes. Mm-hmm. And you just have to realize that. You're going to have to keep fighting because when I got sprayed in the academy, they have you do a scenario after you get sprayed to show that you can fight through it. So I'm just letting you know a heads up. If you haven't thought about that, you have pepper spray. Just know if you if you're going to use it, no, just 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 believe you're going to get it on you, too. And you're going to be hurting, too. So you have to be able to fight through that also. Right. Now, that being said, I think that the pepper spray that regular civilians can purchase isn't going to be the same potency as what you purchase you have as a police officer however it's still extremely strong and it is still extremely painful therefore you've got to think about that now like a lot of time when I carried pepper spray before meeting royal and before I went into the academy I it never even occurred to me that it could potentially get on me It never occurred to me that wind could blow it back into my face. It never occurred to me that I may be trying to spray a perpetrator, but I, in the moment I'm so like worked up that I accidentally spray myself instead. Those things can happen. So be aware of that. It's a great tool. Yeah. Be aware. It will take you out. Yeah. It will take you out. That's another thing with a stun gun. I mean, if you haven't, if you carry a stun gun and you haven't ever been stunned by it i think that that might be something you should experience like have somebody 
stun you in the leg or in the butt or you know whatever it's not gonna kill you it's not gonna kill you just just know what it's like right because that's i mean i've i've never been stunned by like a civilian stun gun the tasers that law enforcement carry that's two different worlds right that's a lot more but this is like regular stun guns that you can buy on i'm assuming you can get them on like amazon or something like that you still want to experience it so that you know that you can fight through it. If you accidentally tase yourself or if the perp gets it and uses it on you, you need to know what that's like ahead of time so that you know that you can keep going. You also want to make sure that you know how to use it. I mean, I think I already said that. Make sure you know how to use it beforehand. So there are so many different things that we could talk about in this category of safety, the subject of safety. And we'll have plenty more episodes that come out. We want to talk about self-defense tactics. We want to talk more about self-defense tools. We want to talk about statistics and prevention. And like I said, I would love to have an entire episode where we discuss this book. I mean, there's so much. And we're going to post our taser videos. (laughs) Yeah, so both of us got tased in the police academy. She handled it a lot better than me. I screamed like Whitney Houston. Royal, the morning of Royal was like, I remember we were saying our prayers that morning and Royal was like, and dear Lord, do not bless Melissa when she's getting tased. Let her experience every second of that. Let her feel it to its fullness. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. But he also told me, if you make any noise at all, then you're a little baby. Don't, what did you say? You were like, um, I forgot. Anyway. I didn't disrespect you. No, he didn't. No, 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 no. He didn't disrespect me at all. He was really funny about it. But he was just like... Just man up, man. Man up and, you know, make our name proud and blah, 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 blah. And... Uh, you did better than I me. I did way... And then when I listened to his taser video afterwards, I was like, you gave me that whole lecture about not making any noise. Listen to you screaming. <laughs> I, what you don't know is at the end of the clip, because I cussed during mine. I was the only person in my... So I went to the police academy like four years with three... three Two and a half years. Two and a half years before I met her, and so when I went through, I cussed. And the police academy is real military; you can't cuss. It's super military environment. Mm -hmm. And uh, what you don't know is after that clip, eventually we'll post it. I got PT'd, which is physical trained. Physical trained hard. They beat me because I cursed. They beat me down for about a good hour, just me and the drill sergeant. But it was worth it. I hurt. I hurt a lot. I hurt a lot. Well, so. uh, Eventually, probably after we do our episode about self-defense tools, we'll post it. Keep your eyes peeled. You'll see them. Anyway, we love y'all. We hope you know that we love y'all, that we care about you so much. We don't just care about your businesses. Of course, we care about your businesses. We want you to be estheticians for as long as you want to be. We want you to have a wonderful quality clientele. We want your license and your business itself to be protected. We also want you as individual human beings to stay safe. And so we hope that you have enjoyed this episode and we'll leave all of the um, like articles that we cited and everything like that in the show notes. And we will talk to y'all next week. Yay. Right, thank you guys. Thanks. Bye. bye.